Welcome to the Championship Club podcast. I'm your host, Michael Casey, and co-hosting with me is a man with over 300 Championship Rugby appearances. It's Ben Gulliver. Be sure to check us out on social media at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and head to YouTube to like and subscribe to the channel. Gully, here we are, episode three. We're, we're back again, which is great. People must still be listening, and it, it's quite exciting so far, isn't it? Oh, mate, it's been, it's been really good, and what's, what surprised me is the amount of players that are currently in the league that are supporting us and following us. And then there's guys that have been retired from the championship and they're sort of reaching out and saying, yeah, this, this is good. It's, it's telling the stories that, that we all know as players and, and guys that are in it, but not many other people do. So really, really pleased with how it's going. Really exciting to see where we go with it. And it's, it's just great to be talking positively about, about championship rugby, which I've, I'll, I'll drum on about each week, but it's, it's, it's a real nice thing to be doing. Sure. And uh, you've touched on it there, but I wanted to repeat that this Championship Club podcast is sort of the brainchild of a few representatives from the Championship Club to create a positive voice and discuss the uh, the, the positive effect we believe that it has on the English rugby, on, on the rugby pyramid or ecosystem, as it was referred to last week. Today's guest, to me, really do demonstrate that. We are going to talk to two guys that were forging the champ. And first off, we have a man who has won a Grand Slam, two Six Nations, a European Championship title, two Premiership titles. Tommy Francis, thank you for coming on the show. You all right? All right, Mikey. How's things Hi, going? Tom, uh, it's been a whirlwind few weeks uh, for yourself. Uh, obviously, the Six Nations finishing two weeks ago, a, a little bit of downtime and then straight into uh, Champions Cup action. I, I guess you're a busy man at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, non-stop, really. It's a busy season this year for, for, for the Prem. We pretty much had two weeks off, which which I didn't. I had to finish Six Nations. So it's pretty much been a straight three season, but can't complain. We get to play rugby, so... The world's in, in chaos when we're getting to play, so we can't complain too much. But obviously, you've had oh God, how many medals? Your medals must be going, you know, loads of medals this last season. It must be great. So, have you had a chance to celebrate any of the victories? So, you know, in uh, Cup, and then obviously Six Nations just recently. Yeah, I got to celebrate after the Prem in Europe. We had a, a bit of a, a double header after after the Prem to celebrate both, and I was in camp on the Monday for the Six Nations. So. Uh, to cut my celebrations a bit short. And then after the Six Nations, we sort of had a premature celebration, commiseration, whatever you want to call it, after the France game. We drowned our sorrows of not getting a slam on the Saturday and then I was back to Exeter Monday. So, yeah, I, I put them both to bed, but I guess it'll be the end of the season when you sit back and properly look at it. Yeah, it's going to be it's tricky, isn't it? Because we've got, we're still not fully out of this of this situation and it's sort of, I suppose you've had dates in the diary where you could plan, plan a... a a celebration or just some downtime with the family and it's when when is that coming is it is it coming or is it never ending for you uh I, I was supposed to have christmas off i was telling mikey earlier and i'd planned it i haven't been up north for two years i asked rob in advance got christmas off and then we played glasgow on the saturday and a few boys got covid oh. and i ended up testing positive on the friday before i was meant to go up for my week off so my, my week off was spent in isolation with the missus <laughs> So uh, I had to get down on one knee and uh, propose to, 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 to kill the boarder, really. I'm joking. <laughs> I, 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 had it all planned. I had it all planned to propose up north and on a beach and stuff, but COVID cut it short and uh, had to do it in the house. But yeah, that, that was my downtime plan. So I'm scared to plan anything now. Thank, I'm trying thank, not to plan, plan too much. Thank God she said yes, mate. Otherwise that could have been a, a weird week in isolation. 
It's been a tough week stuck in the house together. She said no, but luck- luckily she said yes. Congratulations. Uh, so, Tom, obviously you've, you've kind of gone through it there. You've had a little bit of time to sort of celebrate and almost uh, wallow, I guess, on the uh, the Six Nations. Um, such a such a mix of emotions. I think not unfair to say prior to the tournament, not many people would have had um, Wales as favourites perhaps, um, but in the end, obviously coming through as champions, even if you weren't able quite to get the, the Grand Slam, but you've had, what, a week off and now I know we're a championship rugby show, but uh, it's some game to look forward to on Saturday this weekend. How's prep going ahead of Leinster? Yeah, it's a massive game, isn't it? Leinster uh, European powerhouses at the minute, so... And they come into Sandy Park, so no, it's exciting. It's been a good week to be involved in at the club, and it's been building nicely. Obviously, it's it's, it's basically an international, isn't it? You're playing pretty much the Irish team, so now we're excited, and boys can't wait for it. Try not to play the game too early in the week, as you know. Yeah, um, those arousal levels must be pretty high and hard to contain at times, I imagine. But just touching on sort of levels and sort of, so you've got obviously you've just played Six Nations, and you've got your, your Champions Cup games. Premiership games, and obviously you've played champ as well. So there's there's four levels, and all fairly recently, and it's just sort of differentiating those for us and for me personally, and also the listeners. So how do they differ? So Prem, uh, Europe, Six Nations, and then obviously champ as well, if we could. For me personally, it's they're, they're pretty similar as a tight head. In my my role, what I take from it is if I can give a solid scrum set piece. Yeah. and uh, do my bit around the park and that's my job done and that, that's how it started for me and the champ was just scrum just hit a scrum and although the pace is probably a bit slower the collisions and the physicality at set piece is, is a breeding ground a lot of the young boys that play in the Prem now front rowers have, have done their time there they've played quickers or Matt Challenger's had a deep shot in the ruck or something they've had they've, they've had that time in there they've they've played those stalwarts they've had uh, the game at Bedford when the man on the bench is shouting, Tupai is going to get you as you run out and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's with some, some great memories from it and some, yeah, it's, it's, it's a learning ground. A League's great. A League's great for, for it, but for Fun Five, I think the champs, the place to learn. I think it sits above under 20s and an A League for me. That's a year in the champ is what, what you need. And yeah, it, it gives you the foundations for front row of what you need. Obviously, premierships are a little bit faster and, Everyone's a bit more on the page, the skill level a bit higher. And then international is probably almost a step back. It goes back to physicality and just, just pure emotion. And you've got to win that man test pretty much. A lot of it. Just touched on um, sort of rivalries in the, in the champ. And uh, well, one of my questions I had written down was like, when when you were playing in the champ, like, who, who were the guys that gave you a hard time? Did, did you have a real tough time against anyone? Did anyone, just, you mentioned that Challenger bopped you on the nose in a ruck. You know, is there any any front row forwards that you can that spring to mind that sort of gave you a real hard time and helped you on your journey? Bodes. Bodes. He uh, gave me my chance. He picked me at Donny, then he moved to Jersey. And yeah, he uh, he, he taught me how to scrummage and then he, he knew I was going to do it and gave me a good scene too when he was against me the next week, if you know what I mean. But nah, uh, probably the one that stands out is Alec Hepburn. He was at London Welsh while I was at Scottish and we had three games that year and it was a proper a, a ding-dong. It was They had one, we had one and it was a great battle and we actually had a beer in in the Scottish uh, clubhouse after and talked about scrums as, as we do in Norses, a front row. And then a year later, he'd signed an extra with me and yeah, th- th- that was one of the good battles. We had three games and it was a proper, proper good battle. Yeah, I suppose you get to do that 
daily, weekly now, have those chats and sort of progress your scrum as a, as a result. And you've got one of the best scrums in Europe now, haven't you? Uh, yeah, if you say so. I, I, I won't big it up too much. <laughs> so um, uh, the word journey is one that we like to use a lot in, in, in 2020, 2021. Um, but I guess yours for, for those that aren't familiar it is is exceptional uh and for the, this podcast i'd like to just go back take a little bit of a walk down memory lane with you and uh talk about particularly how the uh the championship has played a, a big part in your journey so first i guess identified as, as a prospect at leeds university yeah andy boyd the concrete wheelie been himself he was uh he was my uni coach so I was playing a bit of second team, first team in my first year. Second year, I finally broke in to uni first team and it got to Christmas and I've always struggled with my weight. So he was conscious of that. And he said, look, I've spoken to Brett Davey and he says you can come and train with us to keep your weight off. I think vastly second year, I finally cracked the first team on the bench a bit. It was interchange to get 10 minutes on, 10 minutes off and that suited me. And we got to Christmas and he said, don't go home and uh, drink for four weeks with Mikey Casey and put on that weight. He said... Uh, if you stay in your uni house, I'll drive you to training and back. I've spoken to Brett David Donnie. He's happy to let you come and hold a tackle bag for four weeks and, and get a bit of experience. And yeah, I turned up. Just, I didn't know what to expect, really. I just, it was, I'd never been any professional setup. I never really fit that mould, to say. And uh, yeah, the story goes that I hit the machine and Bode said, sign him up. <laughs> That's how the story goes. But nah, I, I ended up staying, pretty much. They signed me on and then it was a weird... Champ uh, used to be top eight, I think. Went into two or top was it top eight? Went into two fours. And he played home and away in like a playoff system. And Alex Brown said, "I'd said he was signing at Exeter." Suppose just played me a bit in that, which I'd gone from playing for Morton and Norton in I don't know what level's that, Mikey. Is that North Northeast one. Yeah, to to champ, and that was that was my step up. And yeah, I got told to hit a scrum and get to guard, and that was how it started. And I ended up signing a two-year deal from there which I ended up not honouring because they got relegated. But yeah, that was, that was how that, that came about. And what were your impressions then of, you know, you've played junior rugby, you've played um, amateur rugby with, with Moulton. Um, so going into that professional environment for the first time, we just all taking it all in. Were you a bit amazed or what were your experiences of it? Like those first few days at Castle Park? It was a bit of an eye opener. Luckily, I wasn't in uh, change room three then. I got in there. I was in the back change room out of the way, so I didn't have my eyes fully open. But uh, nah, I was just I was in awe to be in around that that environment, and I was still a uni student. I didn't. I'd only just got into the uni rugby team. I didn't really know about professionalism, and yeah, I was. I just loved every minute of it. It was an opportunity that I couldn't turn down, and yeah, it made me want to want to go down that track and uh, see see what was available. Yeah, so I was, I was going to ask you, sort of, in terms of your own. Like personal development. When did things start to like change for you and in, in your in your preparation for for rugby? And was it straight away, or was it just sort of a gradual period of time at Donny? Then when you moved to London, Scottish, is it? You know, your your preparation for rugby is is clearly has improved from that time as a uni as a uni player. Probably didn't really properly commit to it. I, I obviously changed when I went to Donny, yeah. and I'd stopped drinking on a Tuesday maybe for the game and you know what I mean like I was still at uni living in the rugby house yeah. as Ducky Flockhart said to his letter to London Scottish I'm a secret eater who thinks tight at the 40 minute position and that's what he I, I wasn't a professional at Donny I, I I trained hard but I enjoy I trained to eat and drink and to balance the books as to say and then I went to Scottish and I probably 
I didn't play at start, so I, I had to actually knuckle down a bit and and try and sort myself out. Tim Harper there, one of my conditioners there, real helped me. And then I got my chance there. And then probably Donnie's when I, no, Exeter is when I really uh, realised, shit, I need to, to look after myself off the pitch to get the best on it. But it was, I'd never been in an academy. I didn't really, it was all new to me. Yeah. So it, it took time and I was very easily influenced. If someone said, this is good for you, do that, I'd do it. You know what I mean? I didn't, took me time to find what works for me. Everyone's different. Some people can eat chicken and veg four days a week and they get through it. I can't. I have to have little things to keep me going. But it's about, I figured out how to be the best professional I can be. This is, this is something I don't think I've ever asked you. Um, obviously, you did your two years at Donny. Um, the offer came in from Scottish when Donny went down to National 1. Uh, and I can, I can remember it sort of took about, about Christmas time, wasn't it, when things started to go your way. When the Exeter offer came in and it was first put to you like how did did you expect that or was it a complete surprise uh no because we had a tv game against london welsh i think sky sports and they were they were tipped to go back up to the prem and a good team and and we held the scrum and my agent thought we'd probably get a sniff somewhere and i didn't have many offers to be fair i think i had glasgow and exeter and i went to glasgow and pretty much uh shook his hand and said yeah i'll come and then Exeter came in the next day and I, I did a bit of a U-turn. But yeah, I, yeah, it just clicked then really. I don't know. I didn't have much offers, but I just wanted the chance to play to play Prem Rugby. And Mike Friday, who was the Scottish head coach then, he said, it's, it'll be the biggest mistake of your career. I'll give you a two-year deal. Stay here. Have a few more years in champ. You're not, you're not professional enough. You're not, you're not mature enough to make the step. You'll just hold a bag and come back down. Loads of boys have made the step and not come back down. And I just thought, Nah, I can't. I need to. I need to give it a shot. Even if I hold a bag for two years, it's still better. It's still a good experience. And I never tried that top level. I need to see if I could do it. And yeah, luckily it worked out. I started the first prem game. And Mike Friday, Instagram me saying fair play and nothing about props. Which yeah, fair play to him. He's a, he's a top bloke. It's um, amazing, isn't it? It's quite what you get. I was just going to say, just interested. Was there anything in particular that made you want to go to to Exeter over Glasgow at the time? Obviously, Exeter's journey as a club has, I guess, kind of coincided with your time being there. I'm not saying the two are inextricably linked, but obviously, Exeter's progress over the last ten years is well documented to one of the, if not the. Uh, biggest side in Europe. Was there anything particular about the Exeter setup? Was it their sort of development of championship and their development as a squad um, that, that attracted you at all? Yeah, there wasn't. Obviously, Jack End and Alex Brown had gone there and both of them were playing quite a bit. So I saw that path, but it was mainly the league. I wanted to play Premiership. I didn't really watch much Pro 14 or know much about it. And the Prem is what I'd grown up watching. And that's what I wanted to play. And when that opportunity came, it was too good to turn down. And I think I sat down with my agent and we said, if we get one Prem appearance this year, it'll be a next success. And that was my goal for the year was do whatever I could to try and get on the bench or get whatever ever shot I could. It's amazing. I was just going to just touch on the on the Chiefs story. and So it's one I've watched. I haven't played for Plymouth and Pirates down here. And I think I made my debut against Chiefs, listen to this, 2002 for Coventry. And they're playing at the, playing at the county ground. And, you know, they had the old speedway track around it, around it. I don't know if you two have seen it, probably too young. And I think Rob, Rob Baxter was playing that day. And I... I look at look at their story, and I I think how's that? Well, what an what an achievement! They've done it with unbelievable humility, and they've, they've gone about things the right way. 
do they as a, as a club and as a group, do they still refer to those days? And is it still ingrained within the setup that where they've come from and, and how's that filter through to the players? It's, it's still there, but it's, it's slowly filtering out as it has to. The, to stay yeah. at the top, it has to. But you've still got Ian Whitten, who played champ rugby or who was around there. You still yeah. got last year, we still had Stino and Dolly, who, who had played champ for, yeah. for Exeter, who got us promoted. So yeah. the foundations are there. And a lot of our boys have played champ. They've got that, that foundation. They're grounded. They're, there isn't many, apart from maybe Hoggy and Johnny Gray, who we've brought in, mm. the rest aren't big name signings. You know, you know, Z, Slady, Dickie, those boys, they, they've come up through the academy and it's quite a, a grounded club. And Rob backs to make sure it stays that way. No one's above banter. No one's treated higher than anyone else. Academy or Stuart Hogg treated the same when they first came up. There's no, there's no hierarchy to say. And yeah, I guess that's, that, that's what makes it what the club it is. Talking about development then you, you alluded to it there obviously that uh, a lot of the cheese players have, have been sort of homegrown and nurtured though there is still quite a strong contingent that did did play play champ as well in, in terms of what it does offer players you, you touched it a little bit earlier but you know there's a dig in the ribs from chal or uh, a scrimmage in 80 minutes with with quicks is the championship do you think its role for developing front five players is key and it just seems to be something that we see so often in the premiership that the players that have played that sort of cold face championship have that experience and it, that's the sort of true value that it offers in terms of development yeah 100% I think especially for durability everyone can have one or two good games as a front five forward but to play week in week out for 20 games and get your body through it is something you have to do you can't you can't train it you can't do anything. You can prepare as much as you want. You can squat as much as you want in gym. You can run a bronca two times a day, but until you literally play those scrums and walls, you, your body doesn't get used to it. And I think as a front five in particular, the champs, the best place to do that. I think A-League's a bit fast with not much emphasis on it. And I think under 20s, you're not playing against men. You're playing against people your own age and scrums aren't the same. But if you look at our pack, most of them have played champ. Piggy, Ben Moon was at Champ Exeter. Peppers with London Welsh. Uh, Dickie was a loose head for Plymouth. They'll tell me he drilled me and got me Simbin, but you don't need to listen to that. Uh, Jens obviously played at Donny and Thingy. Harry was Nottingham Jersey. I was Donny Scottish. That's the, that's the front row as it is. And yeah, I, 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 I think everyone's benefited from that time there and and the tough the, the tough games you have, the pirates away and the mud where you can't see who's who. And it's just a mall and a mud fest, but it's it's part of the, the path, I think. That is a pretty astounding sort of list of, of players and their history there. Uh, and one thing perhaps I'd like to ask you is that, obviously, you, you'd argue that in terms of professional rugby development, maybe a little bit of a late starter, particularly at the top end. Do you think that without the championship, that maybe a lot of these players who are now competing at the very top of the Prem, if not internationally, might have missed out because perhaps, you know, the schoolboy system doesn't perhaps reward front row players in the same way it does perhaps other, say, quote unquote, skilled positions. Yeah, 100%. If you look at me and Harry, neither of us, Harry was in the academy at Wasps, Hepps was in Wasps Academy and they both both got released. They fell out of that system. If Champ wasn't there to, to, to I don't know, give them the shot and yeah, I know Champ gets a bad name, there's no money, but for that age bracket, it's it's invaluable. 
you, you're not going to get much money going and pl- having a real job. But if you have the chance for two years, say, to to play week in, week out, and just it's food to mouth, isn't it? You just basically get enough to live on, but you're getting that shot and that development which you need. And yeah, it's 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 invaluable, really. Yeah, and I think that's that's where we were doing the the champ team of the week last week, and you see some real value in those guys that have. Like two that spring to mind real really recently are Henry Purdy and, and Luke Wallace. Both of them, with their respective clubs released through injury or, or, or just tough times, whatever it was, both dropped down. I think both are cov, and within a year, six months to a year. I mean, Henry Purdy starts every week for Bristol, and he's having an absolute world here this season. Yeah. Luke's now starting for for uh, Tigers every week, and I think without that championship experience, you you then lose those guys to to other leagues or other countries, and. You know, it's it's a great great place to to bounce back and you know and, and find your career pathway again. Hundred percent, and without it, the, a lot of boys wouldn't wouldn't be where they are now, and a lot of our squad at Exeter wouldn't be where they are. And it it needs to stay, it needs improving. This season seems to be creating a lot of excitement. To be fair, was was quite a few teams up at the top, and it's quite an exciting format. And yeah, it's. It, it's tough because you need to still be able to get the academy boys into it, I think. Like the lone boys are a key part of a champ. Mm-hmm. But they need to go for the year. I don't think they can dip in and out. I think they should be released to a club and that's it. They're there for the whole the whole time. Unless there was a mad injury rush at the senior club, obviously. Because it's an experience, which I enjoyed it. I, I it's I'd still play rugby if I was playing for Moulton. I'd go out afterwards and have beers with the boys. That's what I look forward to. That's what I play rugby for. Like yeah. And champs accentuates that. It's not as it's not as fast. You can have a bit, was maybe a bit less training depending on the schedules and stuff. And it teaches you more about yourself and the values of rugby, which I think that's that's what this beautiful game is about. Is I can have a fight with Heppers for forty minutes on a pitch and then have a beer afterwards. And so, there it doesn't happen as much as Prem because it can't. It's that next step up. But but that's what I love about it. So it would be definitely. If you had, let's say, a young, ambitious 19, 20-year-old prop forward, maybe hadn't had the academy love that he wanted or he's fallen out of one, would that be get yourself, get your CV down to some champ DORs? That would be your advice. Yeah, and I, I talk to the academy coaches extra and I say the young props need to go for you. Every one of them needs to go. And like uh, Jake Walmore was in our academy a few years ago, went to Jersey, and then he ended up starting for Bristol for years. And he... He could have stayed at Exeter and played a bit of A-League, gone on loads to Taunton, but he took the step to say, now nah, I'm going to go and sign for a champ club full-time and it's worked out for him. And it is tough because it's a gamble, isn't it? If it doesn't work, then you you haven't got many years, so you probably need to go and get a different career. But I think as a front row or front five, it's it's a gamble worth taking and everyone needs it. I think it's part of the process, I think. Yeah, I think also, it's, I don't want to get too much into the funding side of it, but if it's reduced and reduced and then if you drop down and you, you can't have say a jersey experience which are full time um, then that opportunity to bounce back is is reduced so by, by having full time or semi-pro clubs it gives you a better opportunity to then you know kick on or or what's wrong with having a whole career in rugby in the championship do you know what I mean and you know yeah. you know producing a good product which is on place at the weekends at the moment so it's it's a, it's a real important aspect of it yeah, and where the TV deals and, and BT Sport and the rugby's going on that commercial side, there's, there's definitely space to to get more champ on the telly. And the few games that have been on this year have been, the quality's up there. Boys haven't played rugby for 12 months, so 
everyone's buzzing to play and it, with people sat at home and no crowds it, it, it needs pushing out there the platform to watch needs to to grow and it's it's there to do and it's, it's not what people think there's still those games where you've got pirates away on the boggy pitch and that's part of it but Ealing's got a 4G every game they play is going to be exciting to watch now and you're going to have that running rugby and yeah I think sometimes like you, we talk about pirates I played down there for years and you know when you start playing rugby, like you'll know, you'll notice at Moulton, and it, it's that's what it is. Yeah, you know, you know that that's that's how we all started as rugby players. We all started as in our junior clubs, and it wasn't the fancy stadiums, and and that's why it's so good, and that's why it's so raw, and that's sort of like champ champ rugby, isn't it? It's gritty, it's raw. You know, it's a bit different. You have you can you know you've got the the court the mad Cornishman giving you a load of grief right next to you in your face, and you know those those are real like stories and real real enjoyable enjoyable times as a player. And that's that's what it's about, I think, the champ. And it should, you know, we should be proud of that. And it's and it's something that we're we're really shouting about. Yeah, hundred percent. And yeah, obviously, it's not bad every time. Pirates on a sunny day is you'll get that nice pitch, but it brings back that mem- the mudslide after playing as a kid, and you finish and you go and find the biggest puddle and go straight through it head first. And that's what everyone does as a kid, isn't it? And it's still you've still got that in you, even as a as a professional. Interesting one, Tom. And I don't want to get you in, in trouble with this one, but obviously I know over the years Exeter and Saracens have enjoyed sort of a, a pretty intense rivalry towards the top of the Premier and European competitions. Was there a wry smile on your face when you saw that they got beaten at Pirates in Week One this year? Yeah, there was. I think we played Bath away. I think we just beaten Bath away, and I think just after we sang our winning song, someone shouted out, "Sorry, Pirates have beaten Saracens." And we had another song, but uh, nah, it's, it's that rivalry, sorry. And I mean, it's sad to see them drop down and it's a different story all that, isn't it? But Makes it makes for an entertaining champ, I guess, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And Ealing are pushing them hard this year and, and Donny and Pirates. It was, it's an exciting time, but yeah, we, we were very happy to see that first result. It was a, put a smile on our faces. Uh, Tom, I, I think you've been a brilliant guest. Uh, thank you very much for your time. It's been fantastic to hear some of your stories from your time in the championship. I know you've got a very busy few weeks coming up, so best of luck on Saturday at Leinster and best of luck for the rest of the season, mate. Cheers, cheers, boys, and great job you're doing. Keep up, cheers. Yes, Tom, thanks, mate. You're listening to the Championship Clubs podcast with me, Michael Casey, and Ben Gulliver. Check us out on social media at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Welcome back for part two of the Championship Clubs podcast. We uh, started strong and there is going to be no let up with the guests at all. Uh, Fresh from a historic Six Nations campaign with Scotland, we welcome guest number two for today, Ali Price. Welcome on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, Pricey. Long time no see. It's been been a good five years. Well, I've been longer than that, I think. Oh, longer, yeah. So yeah, um, just think, just thinking, and you know, I don't know if we, if we should go there or not. But I'd just like to clear something up. And we we once had a chat on a Jersey away trip um, at eight o'clock in the morning um, over over a pint. And I want to know if my words of wisdom have helped you on your career to where you are now. <laughs> <laughs> that is the reason I'm in the position I'm in right now. <laughs> I dread that was, to think. A good trip, that. <laughs> so Ali you um, obviously enjoyed a, a fantastic Six Nations not much time to to rest before being back into European action with Glasgow have you uh, had a little bit of chance now to recover recuperate and look back on the tournament uh, yeah so I've been off this week 
um, just with how the fixtures have fallen, obviously uh, losing to Montpellier last Friday. Uh, it's kind of given us a natural break, which, um, yeah, mentally more than anything, it's quite nice to have. Um, obviously, this well, the Six Nations, eight, nine weeks, and it's pretty intense. So I think mentally it's quite nice to, to just switch off um, from the kind of pressures of that. Uh, and then when you, yeah, when 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 I look back now at, at what has been a, a brilliant couple of months, um, we managed to achieve a couple of pretty special results. Um, and you know, it's it's almost on the flip side of that, it's like what could have been um, the two home games that we we narrowly narrowly lost. Ultimately, we lost out on the on the tournament by four points. For, you know, three three points in the Ireland game and and one point in that Wales game. So. Um, yeah, look, um, it was pretty, pretty good, good way to end in, in Paris, uh, and I think we're a squad that's that's going places. And but at the same time, I think it's it's almost a bit bittersweet because it was, yeah, we we knew we knew we had it within us to to sort of been challenging at the top of that table, and um, you know, it's, Six Nations is tough, and you end up finishing fourth. But we had a couple of couple of brilliant results within that. Yeah, we were chatting to to Tom Francis earlier, and we were talking about. Obviously, it's a little bit bittersweet, but those two away wins, you know, are special and something not Scotland haven't done for years. Um, did you get a chance to, to celebrate those while you were there or, or is that something that you guys are going to have to do later down in the year? Um, it was something that we were, that, that kind of drove us on, you know, to put those kind of results in was that we were in a very unique and, and special situation with the with the kind of the kind of bubble um that we were in in that, you know, we're getting we were getting tested regularly uh for COVID and obviously we're all in the we're all in the hotels together. Um so you know when you finish the game it it, it was uh it was a good opportunity to, you know, have a have a beer with each other and and yeah reflect on on what we'd done you know england was 37 38 years i think um yeah 1983 i think last one at twickenham i've got in my notes so yeah i, I can't do the maths but it's a long time <laughs> yeah um you know and that wasn't lost on us we, we kind of yeah we knew how special it was the the england game we actually flew straight back up to edinburgh after the match so by the time we'd got in, it was pretty late. But um, I think the way we finished in Paris, you know, that was a good way to close the tournament off. Obviously, obviously with a win, but another special win. And you kind of look back, and um, you know, in the last few months, anyway, going back to the autumn and November, we beat Wales in Wales for the first time for a few years as well. And um, I think slowly we're, we're kind of ticking these, um, ticking these kind of wins off that haven't happened for a while and you know we're very aware of that and there was a big uh, I don't know I feel like the pressure on our oh, Scotland can win at home but they can't win these big games away and that's kind of off our backs but at the same time then we we we, we didn't do the job at home and we just got to put it all together now I think yeah so it's it's amazing the, the achievements and you know we speak about a journey we'll speak about your own personal journey in, in a little while and that that Scotland team and your journey within it has, has, I think has changed massively this sort of past 12 to 18 months and you're getting more starts. I think you played the full 80 in France as well, didn't you? So, you know, what, what sort of changed for you, for you personally and, you know, why has why that happened? Did it come more confidence in your own ability or is it just a bit more, just more settled within the squad? I think, I think a combination of things. Um, experience is massive. Uh, and I think that obviously the more you play, the more experience you get and uh, just being in situations in games 
whether it's positive or negative, you have to, you learn from it and, and just being in those situations obviously helped. Um, I used, I put a lot down to, even though, you know, we played sort of four games of last year's Six Nations before kind of lockdown hit. Um, I used the first lockdown to kind of get myself in, in good shape. Um, I started off lockdown a bit lost, you know, like a lot of people, my schedule was taken away and, you know, I'm someone that loves a routine. I like, I like to, you know, I've got to be here at 9am, you know, I, I like to, I like to have things to do. And, and suddenly that was taken away for a few months. And to begin with, I got a bit lost with, you know, how to, how to go about it. Um, and it would have been easy for me to to get stuck in that. You know, I'm not someone that's uh, that genetically gifted. My metabolism isn't that great. You know, it would have been easy to kind of go to go to bed at two, three in the morning, wake up at lunchtime, eat whatever I want, you know, just play the PlayStation all day and complain about, you know, how how limited life is at the moment. But and I did that for for a good week, ten days when when it all started. I, I got a bit lost, but then um, you know set the alarm for nine o'clock, and I was like, All right, I'm going to start running, um, and turned into a bit of Mo Farah. I got the running bug massively, but it was the best thing that could have happened. You know, I dropped ten kilos and. Um, <laughs> fitness wise in terms of like cardio I was I was in the best shape I've ever been in and and then when I got back into rugby I, th I think that's sort of helped with with the season I've had um and I'll yeah I put it down to kind of those April May June months of, of last year I think's really helped with my performances of the last the last few months anyway did you dive on these uh, Strava 5k challenges and things like that Ali I was all over Strava, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a bit about, about yourself. And obviously, this is a championship show. And we are really keen to promote the role that we believe um, the division plays in developing talent, amongst other things. Um, you're now 42 caps for Scotland. You're closing on 100 appearances for, for Glasgow. But... Uh, first in terms of sort of senior would be recognized at bedford blues of course um just let us know a little bit more about that journey and uh, a bit about uh, what happened sort of from breaking out at goldington road into getting involved in the scottish setup um so my well obviously was at school um and my first 15 coach at, at school put me in touch with uh, a guy called Dennis Ormesher, who was the you know the head of like the under nineteen team at Bedford, the academy at Bedford, uh, which you know it was renowned as kind of the best non premiership um, academy going at uh, at the time. And I was at a bit of a loose end to be honest. Um, I was finishing school, and and that's kind of that would have been the the end of the road in terms of for me anyway pursuing like. I guess the rugby dream and the rugby journey. I didn't really know where I was going to go or end up. I guess the route was to go to university, study, and and what would have been would have been. Um, so yeah, got in touch uh, and went along to went along to Bedford after school for for a few months on a on a Tuesday and Thursday night um, training. I think there's four or five nines there, and this was the under nineteen team. Um, I managed to yeah managed to kind of get myself in a position where I ended up playing some games for the under 19 team and uh, enjoyed that for, for a couple of years. Uh, and then more so in my, in my sort of second year. So I've kind of just left school 18, 19, uh, started to be sort of integrated into the into the first team squad um, at Bedford. And that was, that was my first taste of sort of training with adults, really, you know, you come from school and you, you've, you've obviously just played age groups. So, 
Um, I can remember um, joining Bedford and there was, you'd have been really young and I don't really appreciate, I didn't appreciate the time. And I can remember we're, we were training, we're doing, I forgot the name of the place, but it's Alexander Road, the training ground down there. And Heinz is, we're doing kickoff receipts and we've got, he's got the scrum halves, isn't it? So he has the scrum halves doing box kicks onto second rows receiving a kickoff. And I remember he absolutely peppered you because you weren't nailing it. And you, looking back, you were 18 years old trying to land a, a box kiss, box kick on a, on a, on like a 50p spot. It was hilarious. And to this day, the hardest drill in rugby, I swear, is when a coach puts out a box of cones and you've got a box kicker and land it in the box. It is the hardest thing you'll ever do, I swear. Yeah. So you got that hard skill and then we're trying to catch it. It's like with a lift, It's this drill was like amazing. He gave you a new one, didn't he? It was hilarious. Uh, yeah, you have to look. I think that that's another thing. You kind of get, well, for me anyway, I, you, you kind of get thrown in the deep end and it's it's... It is kind of sink or swim, you know. You you find out if you if you're good enough or not fairly quickly. Um, at the same time, you have to. Well, you know. Well, you're 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 not the finished article, are you? You've come out of school, so you, you know you've got to learn and and learn pretty fast. Uh, if you're not up to speed. Um, but yeah, like a couple of years in the academy and and ended up moving through to through to Bedford and and had I think two seasons I think with the with the first team. Um. But for me, it was the first opportunity to to play adult rugby. That was that was the big thing for me uh, that Bedford gave me. You know that exposure to uh, to the to the game, to professional rugby, um, an environment where we were in training sort of three three and a bit days a week, um, gym programs. You know, I, I when I when I first walked in the gym, um, this is a bit this is a bit nausy, but like you know, with the whole bench press and stuff like that, couldn't even bench press sixty kilos. I'd never been in the gym. I'd never. I'd, it wasn't something I'd ever done. And they kind of put all that in place. You know, you've got gym programs, strength and conditioning. And um, so, yeah, I'll be forever grateful for, for the start they kind of gave me into uh, into pro rugby. And um, from then, it, it, it kind of, I went down the, the, the Scottish route. My mum's Scottish. Um, so I was always aware of that. And uh, I think growing up down in England, there was me, my brother and my dad. Uh, and obviously my mum and I, I felt like it was the right thing to do. Um, you know, mate, it makes her proud. Like my dad's obviously incredibly proud of what I've achieved uh, and he supports me um, with the decisions I make. And but I felt like it was a good way of, of giving something, you know, to, to my mum and, and pursuing that route. Um, and it was kind of after my under 20s year uh, with, with Scotland that Gregor approached me about uh, joining Glasgow um uh, in their academy so at 20 21 years old um and for me it was it was it was a risk it was um but I also saw it as you know I've got nothing to lose um coming up to Glasgow I've got nothing to lose um and I saw it as, as again a, a, another another sort of step um completely full-time and yeah I was going to be in the academy but you know you're training with uh, internationals you know you're, you you're integrated within the within the first team squad at Glasgow and I, I just saw it as a as a another progression really um but that all comes off the back of of what started at Bedford to be honest I've got a question then and uh, this is this is for you Gully and you can answer it as honest as you like we'll see um so you obviously have played with some some very talented players in all positions in your time in the champ when Ali arrived at Bedford did you think that this is going to be a future international scrum half? Was that the level of talent that you saw at him then? Or, or was that not the case? 
Be on the spot, mate. I know. Don't you hear? Well, I, I could, I could, I could probably answer it for him in that if he didn't want to say it. In that, I, I don't know if I, I, you know, I, I feel like I, I, I progressed. Certainly, have matured a lot in in the last couple of years, and and I, I'm 27 now, so I'm talking sort of 24, 25, um, and I don't even know if I would have believed back then. Uh, I'd have gone on to to be having the career I'm having. Uh, I feel like I've sort of I've had to work incredibly hard, um, but I've I feel like I've developed I've developed quite late. Um, I remember some boys when I came up to Glasgow. They they couldn't believe that I'd come up after playing under twenties. They they didn't think I was I was good enough. Um, and they were they were uh, academy boys at Glasgow. There was a few comments when I first came up. So I feel like I've yeah, I've, I feel like, especially the last few years, I've definitely, uh, I've definitely kind of matured and and everything's slowly coming together. But I don't know if Gully would have disagreed. But uh, I, 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 the maturity side of it is is clear, it's clear to see because I've got real fond memories of, of Pricey and, and you and you and Bassett as well. Josh Bassett were, you know, thick as thieves, and I can remember you guys being in the gym and. Every time Paddy Hogan turned his back, you'd be you'd be <laughs> shouting and you know cheating on the weights and just having a, a real laugh. And, that, and those two, the, the, the memories I have from the pair of them is just the energy and the and the, the fun they had around the boys. And, and when they left, it was a real hole in our squad in terms of playing ability. We didn't really get to see a great deal of, of Pricey, but his, his, his skill level was really high. And you know when he got the move, and you sort of track people's careers, and it, you know sort of we. we just sort of super proud of, of what you've done and you know a little part of that journey was at Bedford but and the rest of it is, is all you and as it always is but I think I think you were quite fortunate at the time at Bedford as well you had some good good older guys around you like Ian Vass was there and Vassy coaches at, Bed, at Northampton now and you know that, they're going to have a real positive influence on, on you at an early age and I think that that tell me if I'm wrong but that could have helped you early on as well. Yeah 100% uh, I think Bedford's brilliant for the culture side of of the game as well, I guess coming out of school, you've never you never had that rugby, you know, the club or rugby club experience. Uh, and Bedford's right up there in terms of sort of the culture off the field, and led by led by Mikey Raya. Um, Toops was there, still playing. Well, he he only retired recently, actually, but uh, he was obviously playing. You know, led the way, um, and I think that's massive as well. It was it was such a fun environment to be in. Um, and yeah, well, I think one of the things I, or one of the characteristics that I think is quite strong in me is like positivity, energy. Like I, I'm generally a pretty happy guy. So um, I think that the fact that I was in an environment that was was like that as well. You know, we, we had we had some brilliant brilliant events, brilliant day sessions. You know, and and that all builds character. And um, yeah, it's something that I think is not really mentioned that much. Is kind of off the field. People see people only see the the performances and and the results on the weekend, but a massive part of the game is is how you connect off the field and and the kind of culture behind the scenes. And um, it's something that's very strong at Glasgow, but it um, it's very unique at Bedford, I, I think. Anyway, I guess what um, go on, go I was going to say because. You've, you then you, you get the move to Glasgow and it's like, is it an academy contract? Um, and then is, if I'm wrong, just let me know. But do you play a bit for Stirling County as well at, at that time? So that is of a similar level, or is it a little bit lower? You know, where does where does that level of rugby sit in comparison to to champ rugby? And, and again, in your development, I suppose. Uh, I think 
at the time or so so now up here they have the super six which is sort of trying to bridge the gap yeah. uh, which is a, which is slightly different but at the time i'd have put kind of the scottish premiership sort of mid to mid mid if you threw if you threw in the top five teams of the of the scottish premiership into the championship probably be around mid mid to mid table uh i'd have thought mid table to uh to you know battling um competitive um but again like where like like gully said i i played what eight ten games at, at bedford um and then it's very easy to to come up to to like a professional team or whatever that play in a professional league and and not get any game time but it's it was good it was good to uh get some sort of get some adult rugby um under my belt um, so yeah, I had a I had a couple of years at Sterling and then at Air um, for the first sort of three years that I was up here. I um, guess something that seems apparent to me from listening to both of you guys talk about your career and something that you've said is obviously that your maturity as a rugby player perhaps came a little bit later in your career. Um, it it was at Bedford perhaps that gave you that that showcase to be put on on the radar of the Scotland twenties. I'd imagine there are, and there's, there's examples out there of rugby players that maybe don't quite come into their prime until their early to mid-20s. And by that point, a lot of premiership opportunity, academy opportunities are perhaps missed. Do you feel that that is where the role of something like the Bedford Booze Academy can be so valuable? Yeah, 100%. And, um, you know, championship teams in general, you know, not everyone comes in the finished article. You get some you get some brilliant players that are fresh out of school and and, you know, they take to rugby like it's like it's nothing you know you can throw them in any team and they're 19 and they they go they're, they're flying um but for the vast majority that's not the case at all um and kind of going back to what bolt said on the last episode of this like i completely agree with him like if you take out levels below the premiership it all it just weakens it weakens what's at the top and you know not everyone's going to get a game at the top level um, and that's the reality of it. There's only 23 guys a week that can play, um, and you know it's a business. You need you need to win. You you need to win game. You're not going to just give a kid a game for the, for the sake of it. I think it's it's brilliant for building experience and character. Um, certainly, certainly for me, you know, playing playing with you know the age range is is, is massive in the in the championship and in the Scottish Premiership up here. You know, you've got young kids that are starting their journey and then you've got guys that are experienced and um, you know, mid thirties and they've been doing the doing the rounds for, for a number of years, you know, it's um, it's very valuable. Do you think that's perhaps um now the ambition of this Super Six competition that you discussed too, as you say, there's there's only a very finite amount of places in the top levels academies. Obviously, up in Scotland, you've just got the two pro teams, and this perhaps Super Six is is a model that is comparable up north to to what the the championship has to make sure that there isn't that dropout of talent that maybe uh, develops a little later on. Yeah, hundred percent, and it it's it's like what I said, like you know, if you've got a squad of forty. 45 guys and and you know kind of 30 are in the rotation you've got young guys that um aren't going to play for for a number of for a number of weeks or whatever and it's a good it's a good sort of stepping stone um and it also gets people playing rugby um you know there's no point in having 10 young lads that uh have the potential but they never get to show it you know i think that's a big thing with rugby that's forgotten is or any professional sport is that you do need an element of luck to probably get yourself playing at some point you know you might get given a shot but 
Um, I feel like you need an element of luck. Uh, it might be the bad fortune to, to someone ahead of you or whatever to, to kind of get that opportunity. Obviously, it's down to you to take that. But um, yeah, I think a big thing that I found out and you and you do find out is that, you know, when you play when you play school rugby or academy rugby and you're on the bench, for example, um, you know, you, you know, you're going to get a bit of a game. They're always going to put you on. Uh, and then I think uh, a big eye opener for me was, you know, it's a game where you're on the bench and you don't get put on. And your mum and dad are like, oh, they did, why didn't they play you? They could have just put you on. And you're like, well, it's not how it works anymore, you know? <laughs> we, need to win, we need to win the games. And the coaches feel like they, you know, they, they do the best for, for the, the result. It's not about just giving someone a game anymore. Interesting. Um, I was going to just touch on um, something Pete Lydon mentioned last week as well. Was the In the Irish sort of set up and there's been like an influx of Irish players that pop into the championship and then they sort of have a good career and maybe bounce back um, up in Scotland is it something that you, you'd recommend to any of the academy lads that have maybe dropped out have been released from their academy contracts is look at a championship contract yeah 100% I think the um, the way it's the way it's structured um, you're getting competitive rugby you know in a in a in a competitive league uh, which I think it's a good way, you know, if you, everyone knows, you, you, you know, the championships are a massive shop window. If you perform well, then you're, you're going to get picked up and it can lead to obviously offers from premiership clubs or, or pro 14 or, or pro D2. Um, you know, it's, it's so valuable. I think, you know, like, like, like we've, we've spoke about this, a very limited number of players that play week in, week out at, at you know, the Pro 14 premiership level. Um, but that doesn't mean that everyone else should, you know, should just be forgotten about, I think. Um, or not forgotten about, that's the wrong word, but not um, you know, not been, not be given the opportunity, you know? Yeah. Sort of like when we, we, I think when we were at Bedford, we played Sterling County in the BNI Cup and, I think that's maybe something that I, I, I loved it as a player. It was great to play these, you know, your Irish and your, your Welsh and your, your Scottish teams. And did, did you did you manage to play in any of those games for for Air or Sterling, or was it was it stopped by them? I think it, I think it stopped by the time by the time I played because um, the year I the year I moved up to Glasgow, I did my ACL in pre season. So the first season I went up there, I, I missed the whole year. Mm. I didn't come, I didn't get back till sort of May time. So the season had gone, and then I, I'm pretty sure it finished. Um, yeah, I don't think I played in any BNI Cup, but again, that felt um, or when I was at Bedford anyway, that was a great opportunity for some of the younger lads or whatever to to get to get a run out. Um, I thought it was a brilliant competition. Yeah, I remember trips up to Melrose and. Yeah. Um, like you said, Sterling, um, and then you got the the sort of Irish provinces. It felt it was a good, yeah. It was another opportunity to to give uh, young guys, especially, um, a game. And then up here, the the Scottish team saw that as um, you know a step up from the Premiership. You know, so uh, it was a good, yeah. It was that was sort of we're playing against the the provincial A sides from from Ireland or the or the Championship teams, and it's a good chance to show you know. Where, where where the premiership sides are at, you know. So I, I think it was valuable to everyone, to be honest. Do you um, obviously you, you did start off in Bedford? It's it's not a million miles from 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 your home. Do you keep uh, an eye on championship results? Do you see how the Blues are going week to week still? Yeah, um, I still still follow them on on obviously follow the social media and and follow how how they're getting on. Um, caught the odd game when when Sky was showing matches and. Um, I was just saying to Gully, it's it's 
just how with how things are, obviously rugby's played on the weekends and and generally when there's a championship game, uh, I'd have a game. Uh, I've I've not been able to get back down. Uh, like you know, it's it's a family club, and I'd love to I'd love to just come down and and, and watch a game again. It's been it's been a long time. Um, yeah, I was saying to Gully, I've I've not been able to make it down for for a number of years, but um, it's not lost on me kind of what what Bedford has done for for where I'm at now. Um, you know, they've given me the they gave me the start, the springboard to to where I'm sat, and um, yes, I'll, I'll be forever grateful for that. You know, and and you know when there's still still Mikey Rea and and those boys kicking around, you know, I I, I know that um, you know it'd be enjoyable, it'd be enjoyable uh, match day and evening if I, if I was to ever be able to get back on the game there. We've uh, we, we've talked on this show um, before, uh, and particularly with our previous guest uh, Tom, um, that the pre- the championship seems to have developed a reputation of developing a lot of uh, front row forwards, and sometimes that's attributed to the fact that it's quite a a hard and tough and physical di- di- division. Um, as part of the Champ Clubs podcast, we put out a sort of a, an ex championship team of the week from players that have played in the Europe previously. And I think, Gully, you'll be able to correct me on this, but the back line are something like four or five Bedford players and the names, obviously yourself, was you were included in that list, were impressive. Um, Bedford have always been a side that have got a bit of a reputation for a bit of that sort of duet band of rugby. They like to put a bit coast to coast and encourage uh, ball playing a field. Did you feel that when you were there? Yeah, definitely. Play a great brand of rugby. Very exciting to watch and, and very exciting to play in. Um, you know, Mikey, Mikey Rea and, and the coaches uh, had a brilliant philosophy on, on how, how they like to play the game, you know, and, and they let you express yourself, which I think is important. Um, you know, there's too much made of, I think, of trying to organise and structure every part of the game. At the end of the day, you know, after the first couple of phases of a set piece, you, you know, it's Jouet, you know, you need to you need to be able to just play and bounce to space and, and find space and I think uh, Bedford definitely uh, definitely have that motto and mentality, and um, it's quite interesting. Coming up to Glasgow, they had, they play the exact same way with Gregor initially as as head coach, and then Dave Rennie came in, and it was very much about it doesn't matter where you are on the field. You know, we've got the ability and and the sort of plays to hurt teams. They want to drop three four guys into the backfield. Well, there's going to be space in the front line, so you know it doesn't matter if we're in our twenty two. Let's let's have a crack and. Um, you know, everyone everyone likes playing sort of free flow and attacking rugby. I think as well, like just just touch on your point, Mikey. Sometimes you look at the, the players from the front five, and you, you then we go and through the team, and you see the guys that play week in week out. That you know, like I refer to Josh Bassett. I mean, he's a he's now a wasp legend, isn't he? And he he was scoring tries for fun at Bedford in a similar philosophy, and it's it's it produces players from one to fifteen. It produces and it produces good characters as well. I think, and that's something that we. We definitely need to to share a bit more of. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think the year the year I left, Josh Josh was the highest try was the what's the word the highest try scorer in the league. I think. Um, yeah. And he's gone on to do incredibly well at Wasps. I think he just resigned as well, didn't he? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. He's made. I um I spoke. I'm good friends with um, Bouge, Mike Le Bouge, and I when he signed, he, he said, "Look, mate." Josh is the big dog up here, mate. Whatever he's, <laughs> like, this is brilliant because he was just all like the memories of you two. <laughs> yeah, well, he's uh, look at your he, He's got two kids now. 
And the, and the receding hairline, let's get that in there. <laughs> oh, I, I couldn't comment on that. <laughs> My hairline's still strong, actually. I'm, I'm doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> well, we are in danger of being far too complimentary about Bedford for someone that works for Doncaster Knights. Um, Ali, thank you very much for your time today. It's been brilliant having you on the podcast. I hope everyone has enjoyed listening. We are now looking at advertising options for this podcast. If anyone is interested, please drop us a message at Champ Clubs Pod. Keep listening and enjoy the show. Thank you. That was the Championship Club podcast with Michael Casey and Ben Gulliver. Check us out on social media at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter and subscribe and like our YouTube channel.